Well, hi there. Welcome to the Food and Movies podcast, where we examine the intersection between food and movies. We tell jokes. We overanalyze things. Sometimes we argue. Most times we agree. Uh, and basically, we just kind of analyze a movie uh, from a perspective of food. So we go meal by meal, food mention by food mention, and we really kind of dissect movies based on the food within. Paul, what movie are we doing today? Paul's the host. I'm just kind of subbing in for fun just to mix it up a little. Well, Jer, I'm glad you asked that. We have got a special food movie today. It is a seminal movie in the food movie genre, The Menu. Seminal or seminal. Seminal. Yes, yes, it is seminal. True, true. Absolutely. But this is one of, I guess we can say that Big Night kind of started the food movie genre. Right. Intentionally or unintentionally, that movie started the food movie genre. But this movie, you can tell, was written specifically for the genre. They, yeah. it, it was their intention to begin with. They, the me, it's called The Menu. And they probably figured out a way they wanted to make it about food and work backwards from that. So The Menu is the movie. It started with food and they, they worked backwards. It's, it's, it has a lot of... I didn't hate it as much as Burnt. But Burnt was a movie where they started with the guy and the food and worked backwards from there. This is this is a different beast, but you're right. It felt like they crafted the food and they had a kind of a concept. And then they kind of just backfilled from there with regards to story. Yeah, they did. Well, do we want to talk? We just want to go into our initial thoughts. Uh, go yeah, ahead. What were I, your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts was were oh that, so, sorry by the way for the viewers the format of the show is initial thoughts then we go over each instance of food chronologically and crack wise about them end with food awards and final thoughts so go ahead Jer initial yeah. thoughts um, it felt like an episode of the chef's table which I think was intentional the director of the chef's table was the second unit guy on this doing right. all the food stuff. Right. And the, the type, even the, the art direction, like the typeface, music, the, the way the music was, the way they shot things, yeah. um, it, it all kind of felt very much like an episode of the, food's ta- uh, the Chef's Table. And one of the characters there, the guy who's like the foodie, um, yeah. he, he makes reference to it as well. So clearly yeah. they, they did that intentionally. That was by design. A lot of stuff in this movie was by design. Um, stylish film, very Fair. stylish film. Yep. Um, good cast. I had no issues with the cast. And you know what? I, it's funny because we recently did, or we've recently talked about Triangle of Sadness. That's coming up soon. And it shared some themes with Triangle of Sadness as well. In a I weird was thinking way. the same thing. And we're yeah. going to, we'll put, yeah, you and I will definitely dive into that. It's also, a, Glass Onion. I feel those three films all are kind of doing the same thing thing so yeah they all kind of come at it from a very different way but they're all three comedies this is a a very dark dark comedy but it did have its humorous moments and we'll get into those because they do kind of fall around the food and they Mm -hmm. act the acts of savage violence that also occur but um yeah i i i enjoyed it but all through the like all throughout while watching it my mind was telling me you can't enjoy this because this is <laughs> this is a this is a blatant foodie movie. It's like burnt, and like you, you, I went in with that expectation, and I came out being like, oh, "I had a lot of fun with that." 
I I had no idea you were so conflicted about it while watching it like that. Uh, well, so did, did it did which side won? Was the one that was telling you don't don't fall for this, or did you fall for it? Did you get seduced by the food and the? Milk? No, I got seduced in the end. But I actually, it was more than just the the food. Kind of fell into the backdrop for me. Initially, it was like the food is the star, but you got as as the menu progressed, the food kind of became the backdrop to the trauma that these people were experiencing. And the meal became them, right? Like that's, yes. and that is by design. This film was designed that way, um, mm-hmm. and and they weren't, they didn't hold back from telling us that that's what they were doing. Right. By the way, spoilers ahead. We're just going to oh, spoil yeah. the crap out of we're this. We're spoiling movie. the crap out of this movie. So yeah. watch, go watch it now, and then come back and and watch this, and then talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I I immediately was thinking this is like Triangle of Sadness Part Two. Or it, it, there's something in the air. Apparently, there are these movies that are coming out: Triangle Sadness, Glass Onion, the, uh, the Menu. There seems to be this undercurrent of like class warfare that's going on right now in movies. The, the, these movies are popping up for some yeah. reason, and I'm not sure. Maybe it is a sign of the times. I'm not sure, but um, they're expressing. Sorry, good. No, I I totally agree with that. Continue. Yeah, they seem to be expressing a lot of frustration with um, income inequality, specifically aimed at Silicon Valley, it seems like. There's a lot of that going along. And, and and also, these are kind of bottle movies. They all take place in one location for some reason. I'm not sure if that factors in at all. But for Knives Out, uh, Glass Onion, that there is a trope of mystery movie where it's a murder on, in an um, English mansion the road has been, you know, taken out. And so you have all your suspects all in one place. That's a kind of structure for a murder mystery. And there's like, you know, uh, people do murder mystery parties and things like that. It's a, it's a convention at this point. And these movies kind of fall into that. Like Triangle of Sadness was on a cruise ship and then on a deserted island. So it was basically a bunch of characters all stuck in one place. And then they turn the temperature up over time and things start breaking and going haywire so there is something i think in the zeitgeist right now which is moving these movies forward um this one happened to be mixed in with food right but i gotta tell you man the food pornography in this movie next level i've never seen anything like it in a movie before i mean my god it 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 was incredible truly truly incredible it, it was almost over the top yeah, it might but have been was, too much. And I think, but they, once again, I think that that was a carefully crafted thing to almost, to, to go back to your point about this is kind of in the zeitgeist. If you think about it, there's the, you know, the the Bernie Sanders, the 1%, the that whole thing. Um, and then there is Silicon Valley, which is just, was just printing money for the longest. Right now, it's getting a little sketchy, but. Um, and then Bitcoin, and we've seen in the in 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 recent history uh, a lot of wealth funneling up into these ultra rich people. And then, what better way to be ultra rich but to eat this almost unnecessary meal? Like it's, yeah. it's and he he even uh, Ralph Fiennes' character he even states it. He's like, I don't want you to eat. Eating is beneath us. I want you to taste your tasting, which is yeah. like eating in its most pure and simple form 
is just getting sustenance, right? Mm -hmm. So by that logic, a cheeseburger is just as good as a scallop with demi-glace, caviar, whatever the hell else they throw on it. That probably is not going to be a good meal, but I was just trying to use fancy words. Um, I appreciate it. (laughs) But they both are going to accomplish the same thing. One is going to be like an experience. The other is a cheeseburger. But like for some people, that cheeseburger is delicious. And it's this guy. We love cheeseburgers. And and it's funny, the cheeseburger, if we jump back to Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. There was a theme there with uh, with Woody Harrelson's character, you know, a man of the people. And then the character in this, I'm not going to I'm not going to jump ahead too much. And we'll get Mm -hmm. there when we get there. But the character in this has a cheeseburger for almost the same reason. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that cheeseburgers are getting their moment as hero foods in this yeah. day and age. You know, yeah. it's about time. It's a delicious food. It is a delicious and, food. And there's something pornographic about a cheeseburger. It's dripping. It's sweating. Mm. It's mm. melting. It's You, you got to eat with your hands. You got to eat with your hands. This, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience in and of itself. A good cheeseburger, really if it's cooked right, I think can have the same effect as any of these overblown dishes that we see in this meal. And if you've been to any of these uh, Michelin starred, I'm assuming this Hawthorne would be a three Michelin starred restaurant just because of the complete dedication that they're showing throughout the whole movie and all the little fine details that they're throwing into their food. Um, If you've been to a restaurant like this, it's often that ridiculous. And you and I have talked about it. I went to one in Amsterdam where they brought me a little cake in a box with mirrors. And it was like, are you doing this for all your cakes? Or did you build this box just for this cake, just so I could see it reflected in mirrors? I don't understand why you're doing this. The mirrors aren't making the food taste any better, but the presentation's there. And and so what better way to show our opulence than eating this crap for 1,200 a head? Mm-hmm. When you can have a yeah. cheeseburger for six. Yeah, I think it was based on, uh, I believe there was some kind of Scandinavian chef who's famous for using the ingredients around his restaurant. Do you know yeah. this guy? Yeah, yeah. His, his restaurant's closed again 2024. And he ba- you basically have to go out to the middle of nowhere like this. This They've even made it more remote on an island, which I think mm-hmm. was to serve the purpose of you can't escape. Um but then uh, this guy, middle of nowhere, somewhere in Norway or something or Finland. And um, it's all very much like he grows it around him and they forage and they smoke the food there. And, and, and yeah, it's a, it's a direct culinary representation of the land on which the restaurant sits. So, I like it. I like the idea. I mean, uh, I'm sure it's expensive. Well, yeah, for something like that, there are people in the world who are willing to pay the price to travel there specifically. You're one of them. Yeah, you know? I will. I mean, yeah, and why not? What, there should be places in, in the world that are like this, I think. Not yeah. not the where you die, but, you know, everything. Yeah, no, I'd rather, I'd rather come out of it alive. Um, yeah. But there are culinary experiences that, I mean, what's that? There's that fish, that, and they made fun of it in The Simpsons. The sushi, Fugu. yeah, you you could die eating it. It's there's yeah. you're putting your life at risk. Some people are actually willing to put their lives at risk for this type of experience, i.e., the character, the gentleman in the film who's the the foodie. Um, mm-hmm. 
his what's I forget his name now. It's Tyler. A, Tyler. 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 Yeah. Um, although he seems very like tunnel vision focused on that, and and then thusly brings a prostitute with him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, well, you mentioned uh, dying for food, dying for a culinary experience. Fugu, by the way. Yeah. In in our in in one of our episodes, which is either in the future or in the past, I'm not sure which. We'll but, find uh, out. You, you mentioned that um, you would risk having a night of romance with female Doc Ock. You would right. risk your life for that. Right. Right. Would you eat fugu? Would you risk your life for the fugu? I think. I think that's probably where I would draw the line is I'd eat that. But then like if someone was like, you can go and have the best meal of your life, but they're going to savagely murder you. At least with the fugu, I got a good shot. Like I give myself 80% chance if it's a good chef. Now, if it's, you know, not a a sushi chef, if I look at the person and it's, you know, a, a clown, for example... Uh, my need to eat fugu is going to drop drastically. Okay. Or, or if it's, you know, you, you're like, hey, come over and let's eat some fugu. I'm making it myself. Uh, yeah, no. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe pass on that one. <laughs> I, yeah. I need I need some form of certification on that, Chef. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, I'll try that. I'll try it once. Okay. Uh, I love your sense of adventure, both sexually and culinarily. Jeff. Yeah. She... She has many arms, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. She does. Think of the possibilities. <sighs> yeah. You know, maybe a younger me would have tried it, but um, old kind of bitter me, I don't think I would do it. I'd be like, really? It's just like more problems for me. Like more arms, more problems. Like, <laughs> what do I do with those arms? Where do I put my arm? Do I take it? It, it, it would be, t- are we so in my head about it? it just, yeah, it, yeah. It becomes. It becomes almost like, an anti-aphrodisiac at that point for you. Yeah, yeah. For for someone like yourself, it just heightens the experience. It's like, right. this is awesome. Give me yeah. more arms, you know? More I, danger. It's different. It's weird. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, I've I've been with um I've been with the lady who was very tall. Okay. That's as far and, as you've gone. And her arms and legs, like it did feel good because they can really wrap their arms and legs around you in, a, in a way that a smaller woman could not. Right. And it did feel good. I will, I will admit it did feel good. So. Right. I thought you were going to go like, a, I've been with a lady with three arms. And I was going to be like, oh, well, we're not having a podcast today. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because if, uh, we can cut this out if it's not you know, prevalent to the man. No, no. <laughs> but um, Tr- a friend trust of me, mine, it's it's germane to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, a, a friend, a friend of mine was uh, in the I guess outdoor sports business, and he was a rep for some store in Halifax. And he went to Montreal every year, where there was like a convention for sales reps and things. They were selling wares, nice. and there was a person in that scene who was this beautiful woman. But she was missing a hand and she had a hook for a hand. And like she became known as the hook girl because she was a smoking hot girl with a hook for a hand. And the I was hook like, girl. Wow. Yeah. And then I was thinking to myself, huh, would I would I do it? And then if you do do it, do you do it hook on, hook off? And who takes the hook off? Do you take it off as you Is that like, is it part of the, yeah, the ritual? Yeah. What, what, what would you do? First of all, would you have single jar? Sorry, we're in single jar land here. 
Would you have sex with the beautiful one with the hook for a hand? Hook stays on or off, and do you take the hook off? How, the three, how would you go? Three part, it? three part question. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, would I? Have, I yeah, I'm not. Uh, you know, like I said with the the Japanese food there, I'll try yeah. anything. Try yeah. anything. If I think if I'm willing to uh, get it on with Doctor Octopus, I think a hook is probably the least of my. You know, on the low end of that spectrum. Right. Um, so extra arms, no problem. Fewer ar- fewer hands, no problem. You're good with I, either number hey, of hands. Hey, you know, a person's a person, right? Yeah, yeah. So And their souls are all the same, right? Sure. Yeah, if you believe yeah. in souls. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, if there's, a, if there's a legitimate interest and connection between the two of us, why the heck? Why am I? I'm not going to let a hook get in the way. Now, to answer the second question, that's a safety concern. So yes, if you know, if uh, if it's cool with both parties, yeah, leave it on. Why not? Let's live a little dangerously. But um, you're a hook on guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a hook off guy. You're if a hook off guy. Take the hook off. Yeah, you, you're off. you're kind of a. I'm I'm learning a lot about you. Kind of mm. a t shirt on starfish kind of fella. How dare you, sir? <laughs> No, I do not wear a t-shirt on, and I no, am not a starfish. No room right? for no room for adventure, huh? All right. All well, right. listen, listen. I just, some things, you know, it's not safe. But anyway, continue. And as as the hook part of the ritual, uh, yeah, we can make it part of the ritual. I think we can we can you know if every if both parties are consenting and cool with that, why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Why the hell not? Okay. All right. Um, I have run into a one-legged beautiful woman in Nicaragua on a surfing retreat. She was smoking hot one leg. I see. I've, I've heard many stories start that way. So really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So those are the sexual proclivities of uh, myself and Jer as far as amputee sex goes. Can, um, we, can we say that word anymore? Is that the word? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, a limb challenge are we gonna go with that sure don't cancel us whoever's watching of the three people watching please don't cancel us yeah wouldn't that be weird if one of them actually was missing a hand missing a hand and they're like i got a shot with chair yeah yeah Yeah. all Um, right (laughs) back to the menu back to the Um, menu speaking of losing limbs back to the menu. yeah yeah so I don't think I have much more to say. Well, maybe I do. Go ahead. Um, so if I feel like the genre of food movies is in its infancy at this point. I thought it was dead. You thought it was because you thought the sh- chef felt killed like, it, right? No, burnt. I felt like burnt, burnt killed it, right? Killed it. Right. But then okay. it just keeps crawling back like this. It They just did this. And I think mm-hmm. as long as there's cooking shows and chef's table and uh those competition shows i just watched one where they there's no host and they can vote each other out and it's like is this survivor jesus christ with with cooking and how is this proving you're the best chef and not the biggest dick because usually the same person usually usually yeah so i i guess you're right it is in its infancy well i mean of the I can I think I can count on one or both hands the number of legitimate food movies out there. You got Big Night, you got Chef, you got Burnt, you got The Menu. Um, 
that's all I can really think of right now. Uh, as far as movies go, there's some shows and other things out there. There's content out there. But as far as two-hour, we're talking movies? Yeah, feature-length films. One to two hands worth of movies at this point. I'm sure there are more. I'm sure there are. There's, yeah, there's, uh, there are some that just haven't been quite as popular. But there's Ramen Girl with Brittany Murphy. I think we talked about this when we were like coming up with this. Which uh, is about Brittany Murphy goes to Japan and learns how to cook ramen. Um, Brittany Murphy. I don't think I. Isn't she, she the one who died from she, Clueless? She, she passed away. Yes, she was in Clueless, and she was in. Sin City. Uh, but she made a movie about ramen. Okay. She made a movie about ramen. I didn't know that. I didn't so know that. All right. Not a bad little film. It, it you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't really take off and didn't blow up as like a huge thing, but it was interesting nonetheless, I think. It okay. Left, it right. made, left me feeling good. Um, yeah, I've All seen right. a few. There are a few, but yes, I think to your point, yes, there aren't a ton. I'm I'm glad that these movies exist, and I glad I'm glad that they're moving food, culinary filmmaking ahead. Yeah, that that much I'm glad about. So, um, without further ado, I guess we can get into the chronology. Chronology, if you're. Uh, yeah, I think we'll go through. I think we talked about we're going to go through it by course, just because isolating all the food is a nightmare. Um, there are other instances of food, but for the main part, the movie is organized by course, so we will. Do it that way as well. It's similar to The Big Night, actually. I think it shares that kind of structure with The Big Night, except in The Big Night, no one gets murdered. True. And I believe that was the second half of the film was more course-based. The first yeah. half was like prep for right. the courses. And this so. is kind of the inverse. Yeah. So the menu, for those who have seen it, who have not seen it, I don't know. But whoever is listening to this, it's it's about a group of people who gather in a remote restaurant a michelin starred restaurant to have what's considered to be the best meal of their lives with this famous chef they all show up uh by boat to this island should we go through the food in the boat the the initial food or you just want to go straight to the courses no no they had a they had a little uh kind of appetizer there on the boat right so tyler who is i'm not sure who the, i think margo is actually the protagonist of this movie i, I agree so, okay, so Tyler is a young man who has brought Margot, his assumed girlfriend, actually a prostitute. We'll get into that later. And they're amongst the many people on this boat who are going to the island to experience this meal. Tyler is extremely excited about it. Doesn't seem to care too much about Margot. Bit of a jerk, if you ask me. Kind of a dick. And yeah. yeah, and they are served raw local oyster in a mignonette emulsion with lemon caviar and an oyster leaf mm-hmm. lemon pearls are made with algae which is pond scum <laughs> is this which she is says this a is foreshadowing fun. yeah is this a foreshadowing to the events that will come the pond scum comment yeah most well they're they're setting it up right that she could not care less about this because she is not part of this world she jumps into the world to help, but as we learn later, she's more of a someone who serves this world, right? And yeah. we see little glimpses of this when she sees the suit guys, like the the investor guys, come on. She mm-hmm. kind of has a, a look at them, and she's like, "Ooh, I might, I, she she might know one of them." Or she sees the old guy; she definitely knows him. We'll get there, um, Ooh, and and. Uh, 
So she's not part of this world. It's she's similar to that Russian fellow in Triangle of Sadness, in that he's a fish out of water in a lot of ways amongst the wealthy people. She's she just doesn't fit in. She's brought along for the ride, and as we learn shortly, she wasn't actually meant to be there. True, true. She, I personally, I think she has more in common with the Instagram models from Triangle and Sadness in that she the russian guy at least can buy his way on the ship true true every she's the only one in this group who can't really access this kind of a meal for financial reasons right. but her looks get her on board so right. i think as we mentioned in triangle of sadness attractiveness is actually currency currency no matter what society you're living in so yeah I think and attractiveness, i think I, yeah I, I would say you're right yeah actually she's the models and she's also kind of our avatar going in because we're kind of on her level. We're we not don't belong in this world. I sure don't. Goddamn. Yeah. Maybe one day, you know. You never know. What did you think about the food, though? What were your thoughts? Did you, so, did you look at so it? that first kind of thing is interesting. They make caviar. So when they say caviar, they don't mean traditional sturgeon caviar. They uh, they use a. I think they mention it later on. They use a device that almost like uh, it's like a bubble. It makes a little bubble and it turns uh, things like algae and and, uh, lemon water and whatever the heck you want into like little pearls like caviar. I forget how it works, but it's it's a very you see it on these cooking shows all the time. And I've seen them for sale, too, where you Mm -hmm. could make caviar out of anything. And it basically encapsulates the caviar in almost like a. Like I, I want to say a condom, but it's like a tiny little pearl and it's made out of sugar water or something that kind of holds it at least until you bite it and then it pops and gives you that burst of flavor. And then this mm-hmm. is an oyster. I can't eat oysters. Uh, I used to love them. Um, but so that's kind of the the quintessential like food from the from the earth that you eat that that they can't really perfect an oyster an oyster is already perfect in and of itself like it's that it has a great flavor profile you know those who love oysters swear by them um mm-hmm. i think in burnt they say this like god gave us oysters and apples and we can't perfect that recipe but it's our job to try or whatever it was so mm-hmm. th- they're making that statement here of this guy has gone taken god's creation and made it elevated and what did you think of it did it look good to you uh, it yeah. looked weird to me i didn't i didn't know what to make of it i i mean in the fact that it would put me on the toilet for a couple hours uh mm. it looked, looked pretty good to me looked looked like a pretty damn good oyster if you ask me now once they're on the island the movie begins and the plot is structured around these courses mm. so the first course minute 15 the island plants um, it's it's like a almost a terrarium situation where they yeah. use plants and rocks from the island as the plating of right. the dish, which appears to be a scallop, and the and what else the wine. You go ahead and if you can read that, I'm not sure what that is. This is a oh well we we've missed the the amuse bouche, which they're oh served. sorry about that yeah sorry no worries that. let's yeah. we can. We can cut back to that, but uh, it's served as they kind of uh, is the first dish served on the island. 
Um, the amuse-bouche is kind of not ordered. This is usually when you go to one of these restaurants, they kind of throw it at you in the beginning and you're like, ooh, a spoonful of cold tomato soup or something. Um, and so the amuse-bouche is in your notes. Do we have it? Yeah, sorry. I'm just... Amuse-bouche, we have compressed pickled cucumber melon, milk snow, and charred lace. Right. I don't so, even know what milk snow or charred lace is. I... So, so this almost sounds like a very... If I'm, you know, from my understanding of it, compressed pickled cucumber melon probably has a light, watery, sweet, sour flavor to it because it's pickled. Mm -hmm. um, and compressed, would I, I'm assuming, would be it being kind of concentrated a bit more. Um, and then milk snow seems to be like shaved ice milk or frozen milk, which would be very sweet. Mm -hmm. I think would have almost a sweet. And then charred lace... Uh, probably some sort of crunchy, crispy, textural thing that they put on it. If you look at the picture of it, it just looks like these little kind of blobby things. So yeah. it look pretty nice. And they're putting it down with tweezers. Um, yeah. But yeah, a nice little, it just basically wakes you up. It's cold. It's usually very refreshing. Um, it usually has some sort of sweet, sour note to it to really get you salivating. Um, and it, it moves bushes, a moose. Like amuse your mouth. It gets you kind of going. Hello. So, yeah. I like that. What a nice phrase though. Amuse bouche. Yeah. Just sounds, sounds really nice to say. It's French. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Yes, it is French. Do you have any thoughts about the first course with the scallops and the whole terrarium setup? So yeah, the, the scallops with the terrarium is, uh, so it's a bunch of little plants and then they uh, they put the scallop on top, and it's everything we just walked through on that tour. Um, I think except for the smoked meat that comes a little later. But they talk, they see the guy getting the scallops out of the water, and I think Tyler says some jackass comment to him or something, or Leguizamo does or something. Um, mm -hmm. And then they they see all the plants and all the stuff, and then they get in and they put it in the terrarium. And then they pair it with a wine. And these these meals are always paired with wines. Usually you have to pay extra for the wine. Um, but I'm assuming at $1,200 a head, they're going to give you some wine. Um, so. And the wine that they serve it with, let me just pull up our notes just again so I could get it right. I do, there are three wines that they kind of, you, you actually see. There are more wines in it, but they don't really uh, tell you what they are. But this first one is a... Uh, Chassagne Montrachet, uh, Mont which is doo -doo -doo -doo, uh, Caroline Moray, 2014. Uh, Montrachet is in Côte de Bonne, France, which uh, is Burgundy, which now I'm probably going to get a whole bunch of people or one person it better be burgundy, saying, man. Yeah, better be. saying, oh, that's Bordeaux. No, it's 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 a burgundy wine. Montrachet is a white wine, so it's probably very kind of zesty. Um, Premier Cru. So in French wine, they classify their wines by, you know, table wine. And then there's like Premier Cru. I think there's a secondary Cru. There's Grand Cru, which is very good. But Premier, Premier Cru is like super high end. And they say that this comes from a lot of, so a lot of expensive wines are what are, what are called single vineyard wines. And a Grand Cru or a Premier Cru would probably be that in France. It means it comes from, the French are super specific 
about what they can call their wines. You can't call it Montrachet if it's not from the Montrachet AOC. Um, so, and that's not the grape that goes into it. It's the, it's the, uh, I believe it's probably a Chardonnay. If I, if, yeah, they're if, very territorial about wines and beverages yeah, in general. Because yeah. the French believe that the land the wine is grown on is more important than the grape varietal they're using. So, and, and the best way to, te- the best way to see this or to experience this is if you want to nerd out on wine, get a California Chardonnay and then go and get a Chablis and drink them. Same grape, vastly different wines. And it, a lot of it has to do with the oak they're aging it in, but a lot of it has to do with the soil they're growing it in. Um, if it's Burgundy, I'm a, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's Burgundy does Chardonnay and Pinot. So those are the two most well-known grapes. So this could be some uh, some form of Chardonnay. It might be something else. Answer in the comments below. Uh, French wine is a very complicated beast. But yeah, probably a lively, very nice wine to go with that scallop and those those vegetables there. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a white wine guy. I love a, a nice, crispy white wine. Cold as heck. Just yeah. hits the spot to this guy. Always on a nice summer yeah. day. Any day. I just I just don't like the red. The, the, I think it's the temperature. I don't like the room temperature wine. I really like that sharp, white, crispy, you know, smack you in the face white wine. Hey. I'm not sure each, why. To each his own. Yeah. Yeah. So at minute 21, the second course, very controversial amongst the guests in the dining room, the breadless bread plate. Yeah. <laughs> Did they go too far? Did the chef go too far and just stick his head way too far up his own butt on this one? Just it seems a bit overly pretentious, the breadless bread plate. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is when we st- this kind of is that part in the movie when everything starts to turn. Right? Yeah, like the, this the, is the, the I was just about to say, this is the first moment we realize this guy's a little kooky. Yes. And then also the guests start vocalizing their displeasure at this right. point. The, um, the stock guys give us the like, do you know who we are? And they're like, yeah, we know exactly who you are. Like, that's yeah. our job. <laughs> Which I thought oh, was a man. great and scene. I, I really thought that um, this scene reminded me so much of the dinner scene in the, in the Triangle of Sadness. In that the characters were so specific and very authentic to yeah. real life. I felt like the stock guys... Yeah, I know those guys. I've had yeah. dinner with those guys. I think we all have. You know, that's yeah. what they're like. I've that's seen exactly those guys. what they're like. The, if, um, if I could give one piece of advice to our listener out there, um, never, ever, no matter what, if the service is bad, or or if someone does something you don't like, or if you're if you're at an airport and you get bumped off a flight, don't go with the "Do you know who I am?" Never. Don't Ever. Do you just look like such a putz. I don't care if your dad is Tom Brady, Donald Trump, you know, I don't care. Just don't say it. You're going to look bad. All right. Yeah. Because if they knew who they, you were and they cared, you wouldn't be in this position. <sighs> Either God. they don't know who you are or they don't care. They're just trying to do their job. And your identity has no bearing on that. You're just <laughs> declaring that you're a douche at that As, point. Especially if you can't back it up, 
right? Yes. If you're like, you know who I am, and then yeah. you walk away, and then a minute later they're fired, okay, then you backed it up. Ballsy. I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still a dick. But yeah. the worst is, do you know who I, my dad is, or do you oh, know who yeah. I work for? Like, do you know who I'm associated with? Yeah, which worst. is what these yahoos are doing. They're like, you know who yeah. our boss is? Yeah. Like, yeah. We don't care. Yeah, don't care. <laughs> so I found that I found that very funny, and I found that very true to life. And I love the waitress, um, Elsa. I believe her name was. Yeah. She, she. I love a waitress who's like a samurai. She just has a code, you know. Yeah. And she, she just, whispers in the guy's ear. Yeah, she doesn't she care. Says, yeah, she says you will eat less than you desire and more than you deserve, and looks at him like a stone cold killer. Like, whoa, Elsa. I like a good as a as a as a young or a well middle aged Jewish lad, um, almost middle aged, getting there. Uh, I like going to a deli where they treat you like crap. Like I just that, that's it's it's great. So to yeah. to go to a pretentious restaurant like this where they treat you like complete crap, and you and you enjoy it all the same is just great. It reminds me of going to a deli. Where they're just like, I don't care. Sit down and order a sandwich, idiot. You know, that's just, oh. it's my favorite thing. The the restaurants which treat you the worst, uh, I think the, there are certain restaurants which the level of service as it decreases actually signifies how much better the food is. One genre I will say for sure is in uh, Jamaican food. Yeah. If you go to a Jamaican food and they're nice to you, get the hell out of there. It's not That food's going to be terrible. No. They have okay. to look at you like you. They want to kill you. That's the kind of place you want. Like, yeah. When you walk in there, they should be like, "What do you want? What?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what that's what that's what a good Jamaican place should be. I live near a restaurant called The Real Jerk, which is like a oh, Tor- the real jerk. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a Toronto staple Jamaican jerk chicken. It is, yeah. and they it's true. They're not the nicest. They, I mean, I think they're just amb- like they're in- indifferent. Yeah. But um, the food is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I used to go to Albert's down on Queen. Oh, yeah, Albert's is good too. But before I went in there, I'd have to like steal myself a little bit. It's like, I know this guy is going to hate my guts for coming in there, but the food was so good. I couldn't help it. I would get the stewed chicken with the rice and just, it was so delicious. Yeah, it's flawless. So breadless bread plate, I think he overextended himself creatively on that one. But he makes um, he's making a statement, and he's making a statement that is kind of the the basis for everything he is now about to do. In that these people, the way he puts it to them, is one way, but it's a double sided coin, right? He says, I, I forget the exact line, but he basically says, "Bread is peasant food. You don't eat, you know, you don't deserve to eat peasant food," which to him means these people are lower than pond scum. Oh, but to to them, it means, oh, we're in, like they take it as we're in the upper echelon, so we don't get bread. And then they start tasting the the little accoutrement along the side. And Tyler is just loving every minute. He tries to take the he keeps embarrassing himself in front of the chefs, which yeah. he, which I think he thinks is like going to get him out of the impending doom if he impresses mm-hmm. them and he shows that he's like super into it, which is. Just the neediest, most cloying character in the whole thing. but um, And then the food critic, we go to her character, and she says this little emulsion is broken, which we're going to see as the film progresses what, what the chef does with that. 
Um, but it's like a little kind of side emulsion that they've made. And when it's when something's broken, the most common example in cooking is a hollandaise sauce, where you'll see oh, yeah. like an oily film, and then the substance of whatever is broken. They're not they're not connected. They're not emulsified together. They're not mixed properly. Um, yep. So this emulsion apparently is a little bit broken, which. Um, when she says that, apparently the chef can just hear everything, uh, and he takes quite a bit of offense to that. Uh, speaking about broken emulsions, in Halifax, we have a dish called a doner, which is a regional dish. It's a spicy meat with a sweet kind of sauce on it, and <laughs> yeah. the sweet sauce don't is called doner sauce. It's I very accidentally, yeah. Sorry, it's a very seminal sauce. <laughs> very se- It's. Funny you should mention that because there is actually a story to it. But the sauce, I accidentally, when I was working at a restaurant, broke the sauce and didn't even know I had broken it. I just thought I was supposed to stir it, but I broke it. Chef got mad at me. It was not a good day for old Polly when you break the donair sauce. Then you break the donair sauce. Yeah. When when I lived in Halifax, I never ate a donair. Oh. I didn't well, have one. I don't know. I would always go to Pizza Corner where they had King of Donair. Yeah. Uh, and... I would always just get a slice of pizza because the pizza was so good there. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good pizza in Halifax. Oddly good for pizza. I'm not Strangely sure. enough, yeah. I'm not sure how they figured that, but they were like, we're going to make one hell of a pizza out here. Um, but then I went back later and had a donair and I was like, what the heck was I doing with the pizza? Like, this is the this is where it's at. It It is, but it's also uh, sort of like eating a cigarette. Yeah. It's tough on your system. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, usually you eat it with a cigarette too, which is. Yeah. It's usually two o'clock in the morning. You came home from the bar, you're inebriated. And couple. it's not a great drunk food because it's kind of tough to eat and remain clean. You know, yeah. pizza, you can just fold it up and boom, it's yeah. good. But the donair is a bit of a process. So it's a whole shenanigan. But it's funny you mentioned the seminal donair sauce. Um, the high school I grew up around, there was a bitter rivalry between three to four pizza places that were all in that area. Yeah. All vying for the same customer base. Some, one of them started a rumor that the other one called Thornhill pizza, by the way, there, there was, they started a rumor that said that someone had um, Done contaminated that. the Donair sauce with, you know, what it looks like. Some, yeah. Someone's unborn children, basically. Yeah. And it pretty much sunk that business. It really worked. That was it, huh? They someone, no, for lack of a better term, planted that seed in someone in the school, <sighs> and I, then I didn't it, want to say it, but you it, did. It oh. spread like wildfire. That's that's a brilliant marketing ploy. Yeah, because it's true though. Like every time, like I, I I would go there and I would think, no, I can't. Even if there's like a small chance, I just can't chance it. You know. Now so. the question becomes: Before this happened, did you ever eat at this this one location? I actually didn't. I was loyal to another place. Okay, but so that you, pretty much closed the door. I was like, no, I'm not going in there. F that. You had you had no uh, prior knowledge of how good their doner and pizza was. No, not really. No. So nothing lost. Nothing lost for you. Um, for them. Their livelihood, but their livelihood. Yeah, it was. It got really weird, actually. One restaurant, one pizza place, got firebombed with a Molotov cocktail. It got real serious there for a while. That's like uh, Toronto with uh, Harold the jewelry buyer. 
or tow trucks. Yeah, tow trucks There's, as well. Tow but, trucks are very dangerous too. But Harold, the jewelry buyer, allegedly, Harold, don't get mad at me. There was like some rivalry with a guy across the street, and then like then some shenanigans went down, and it got like it escalated fast. Like these jewelry people are not. Yeah. Like, all, do you remember Oliver Jewelers in Toronto? Yeah. The guy with the great commercials. Yeah. Um, that guy got shot once. Yeah. Yeah. That like, stuff happens, eh? Like it's, 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 I, The jewelry scene in Toronto seems to be a lot like the pizza scene around your high school. Like, it's a dangerous mm-hmm. game you're playing. Yeah, when you're dealing with people's livelihoods, it's it can escalate to, wow. to a point, you know? So yeah. watch out there, pizza proprietors and jewelry proprietors out there. Um, and tow truck drivers. And tow truck drivers. I wanted to mention right now, the the retired couple who seem to be kind of just going there because they have money and it's yeah. there, basically. Who've been there 11 times. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the wife, Angela Bauer, who's the boss. Judith Light, is uh, that's the actress. I did not know that. That's yeah. fantastic. Great show. Who yeah, was... Look at who, that same face. Who was the boss? I got to say... Probably Tony. Wow. But I got to say probably even, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> even though he was actually technically employed by Angela. Yeah. Making her the boss. Who's mm-hmm. the boss? The answer to you, you, you believe Tony Danza was the boss. Was the boss. Yeah, I think Bold. so. Bold. I think if they ever did do it in the bedroom, I think he would have been the dominant one in okay. that situation. Okay. Yeah. I think so. All right. Moving on. Oh, sorry. Do we want to mention, we, we, we kind of touched on the broken emulsion. Did you have any thoughts on the broken emulsion? No, I don't know what the emulsion was. So I don't know much about it. Like all those little sauces that were, I guess, supposed to go with the bread. I'm not sure yeah. what they, what they, they never really mention what they all are. Um, but okay. the broken emulsion comes up again and again in, in ludicrous ways. Yeah. It was given to Mrs. Bloom, who I believe was the author yeah, she was she the food critic. The food critic, yeah. So, hmm, there could be some symbolism there to how she is a broken person, or there's something going on there which I haven't figured out. But uh, there's no, it's it's not a coincidence she was served a broken emulsion. I think. Yeah, that actually, I think you're right, and I think that this chef seems to plan things. So as she served more and more of this broken emulsion, and maybe it represents her. You know, just her, what he despises about her. I don't know. Yeah. Well, third course, things get real. Really Things get real. Yeah. Yeah. Third course is called Memory. Yeah. And there's a story about his upbringing and how his father choked his mother and stabbed stabbed him with some scissors. With a phone cord. And then he stabbed the father with scissors. Or yeah. stabbed him with scissors, vice versa. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they smoke. They they serve this house smoked uh, chicken, chicken thigh al pastor with the scissors, and stabbed into it. Stabbed into it on top of a coiled phone cord. Yeah, that is dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was dark, man. And and they're all kind of like when they hear the story, they're like, okay, like. This is and yeah, it's it's funny. One of the things that and as as each meal keeps going, it's very funny to see what these people who have come like each different character has a different reaction to this. Like mm-hmm. Tyler is just 
willing to accept anything. Tyler's Although, a fanboy. He's into it. Yeah. He's like, let's go. What's funny is we know he knows what's going on. We learn that mm-hmm. later on. So we don't know it now. But um, he, he, we find out that he knows. But the the food critic is also kind of this way. Yeah. Because she's serious. Her and her idiot friend there are are kind of like, oh, this is a lot of theater. This is exciting. This is dark. And, you know, and then some people who are not like the couple and uh, and Tyler's uh, prostitute there. Um, mm-hmm. They're just like, what? The? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor Margot, man. Like, I feel yeah, bad Margo. for her. God, she seems, by the way, for, for a uh, woman of the night, she seems like a lovely person. Yeah, fantastic. Charming, funny, smart. She seems great. I'm going to assume that the majority of toots or prostitutes um, are I've nice. I've never heard someone call them toots before. Toots. That's the first I've ever heard yeah. someone call them toots. Uh, but, uh, or, yeah. or prosts, you know, whatever. I was just trying to make it colloquial. Um, sure. <laughs> I'm going to assume that they're all nice people. I have no idea, but I've, oh, no, I, there's a YouTube channel that actually interviews prostitutes. Okay. And are they mean? Uh, no, they're all broken though. Ah. Uh, like they all had terrible childhoods, which is no surprise, I guess. Okay. But, um. Yeah. Yeah. They don't seem mean though. They seem just very kind of broken and, but their interviews are fascinating. There was one they did with a French prostitute who worked at one, like the bunny ranch and things like that. This lady is one of the coolest human beings that I've ever seen. Like she does an an hour interview. He he doesn't even ask her a question. She starts talking about her life and it is a movie, man. Uh, It is a freaking movie. I can only imagine, right? Like I can only imagine that their lives, there's a lot of intrigue. Um, There's also probably a lot of like just really not great nights. (laughs) Um, Well, there's, there's levels. There's like, the ones in the street, yeah. which is like the lowest level. Yeah. But then you get to the ones in the brothels, which is above that, which is then a the bit high more professional. Then sports. the high end we don't even know yeah. about. No one even yeah. talks about them, you know? Yeah. Um, I go back and forth on whether I would ever, if I had the opportunity. Engage the services of a toot? Of, of a high end, some, like a real professional, you know uh, what I mean? So you're not like. Not like a street level kind of. No, 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 no. Like I, I, I have respect for people who are extremely good at their jobs, and in that sense, I am a little bit intrigued. Like, what if there's one that's like ten thousand dollars a night? Like, what does she do? I would want to know. Yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of interested. And is it worth it? Yeah, yeah. Like the one that took down Elliot Spitzer, I believe she was a pretty expensive one. So. I think so. Yeah, which which is like kind of strange that she took him. Well, I mean, it's not strange, but. You know, I think ten grand should buy you some level of discretion. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, but maybe I'm just naive to the ins and outs of the, you know, the, the game. They call the, it the game, the, the toot game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. But anyway, uh, <laughs> if I ever get a bag, I'll give it a shot and let you guys know. I'll report, yeah, I'll yeah. report back. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So let's talk about the food, though. Yes. How did the food look to you? The chicken, so this is a chicken taco? Yeah. And it was his signature dish. He alludes to that uh, with the with the food critic. He says, this has been my signature dish. It's kind of always on the menu. Um, 
and you know we've just updated it this time for you specifically as they've laser etched into the tortillas some incredibly personal information yeah uh, for each diner yep um designed to kind of humiliate each diner which is really yes. interesting. So for- this is sort of the scene in the movie where like the guy comes out with the brandy snifter and he's like, I've assembled you all here today for various reasons. You did this, you did that. Yeah. Like there's that kind of scene. That's basically that what's, go- that's what's going on. So yeah. It holds up a mirror to them. Like the, the, the stockbrokers are all seeing their fraud. The yep. uh, John Leguizamo is <laughs> seeing that he's not a good actor. Um, oh, Great actor in real life, John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Legend. Yeah. If you ever want to come on the podcast, please, John. We'd love to have you. Um, love it. Great guy. Uh, although recently he's been talking a lot of stuff. I don't know. Uh, oh, what, God. Whatever. Not another one. Come on. No, not not cancely stuff. Just All kind right. of just saying things. I don't know. He, he's he's just drumming up controversy. Um, and then, but the the food critic. It's all the restaurants she's closed down over the years. And the couple, the old couple, it's him with other women. Yeah. And Ugh. then t- Tyler, it's him having taken pictures of the food after they told him not to. Like, it's him being a total putz in the moment, which is great. Yeah. Uh, it's also just super disturbing. Um, but great scene. Interesting kind of uh, interesting angle. And and, and, and it, once again, a ki- an elevated level, like an escalation to the no bread plate the non-bread plate now he's kicking it up another notch like he's yeah. he's making them suffer a little bit more the suffering is now beginning yeah i didn't see any tortilla um damning evidence for margo the the call girl though which is a good sign. yeah well this is also we realize now and we've she he started to hint at it she's not so he so when they pull up when they rock up at the island there they're like, this isn't who you wanted to bring. Right. And, and he was like, yeah, that fell through. So she's not supposed to be there. And the, it's it's bothering Ralph Fiennes, right? It's he, he can't figure out who she is. He knows that she doesn't deserve the fate that everyone else mm-hmm. in the room deserves. And he doesn't know what to do about it. Um, yeah. So this, this is kind of a symbolic of that. Like everyone here is guilty of something except her, basically. She's the innocent among these these wolves, kind of. Yeah. With this taco, they pair it with a uh, Ross Cobb Pinot Noir. Ross Cobb is a kind of a, a big deal in Napa Valley, Sonoma County, Russian River Valley um, in California wine. Um, California wine is big for Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir has kind of been a big grape down there for a long time. Uh, their biggest wines are Pinot Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay, like those are the three kind of they they are very similar to France because a lot of the the grapes or the vines came from France and then actually when France had a big problem with their vines, a lot of the vines that were then brought back to France and replanted were from California, so they share uh lineage, I guess is the be- for lack of a better term. Um so a lot of those those vines are are actually of shared lineage with France. That's why Napa Valley and, and Sonoma County and uh, other counties in, in California make great wine. Ross Cobb is very famous. It's a 2013 wine, which, if I've done my research correctly, was when he was with a vineyard called Hirsch. 
he, which is a pretty big producer in California. Now he works with a, a vineyard called Furthermore, um, producing much of the similar wines. But Hirsch wines, uh, they talk about the oak and the aging of the wine in oak. And Hirsch tended to do that. Uh, so it, it just, it, by wine nerd deduction, that would have been a Hirsch wine, a Ross Cobb Hirsch wine. I could be wrong. That's just kind of guessing between me and, and things I also found on Reddit and, and reading on Wikipedia, his career a bit more interesting dude, big name in, in California wine. So this wine must be pretty fantastic. Is there a wine community on Reddit? Uh, probably there's an everything community on Reddit. I can, I, I would love that. I would love to see just the Reddit haters talking crap to each other about wine. Yeah. The, lo- <laughs> the, lo- the, the trolling is just almost incomprehensible. To- <laughs> like it's- oh God. That would be incredible. It's not a Cabernet Sauvignon, you idiot. Yeah. Just call them. <laughs> everyone's a noob. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's all these rules about how to comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh god reddit is the well it's actually kind of a nice place but uh, reddit reddit's fascinating when you want to find something out reddit is a it's one of the weirdest places on the internet it it's really lot, is it's um, it's it's a perfect place for somebody like myself or nasser or you just to go and get lost for a little while I used to be pretty heavy into it just because it was like this whole world I had never known about. Yeah. But over the last couple of years, I've kind of not – it. the uh, the rest of the internet has kind of caught up as far as information goes. So yeah. I'll go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is just as good as Reddit now as far as good information. Yeah. So. Well, Reddit's yeah. really good if you want facts from people that do not know what they're talking yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you want to get the facts from somebody that has no clue what the facts are, Reddit's yeah. a great place. Um, but if you, you know, if you use it and then you cross-reference it with other things, you can get mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a good place to start, I find. Or it's a good place to find really obscure pornography. Oh, really? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I my porn is pretty vanilla, as they call it. So. Okay. Reddit doesn't really. Help you don't me out play that in much. the obscure subgenres. Okay. No, no. I, I, it's a little embarrassing how vanilla my. Here's the thing. I wish I could brag in job interviews. I wish I could show them my porn history to show how normal and nice I yeah, am as a person. Yeah. Because I'm, nothing I'm exposes a... you like your porn history, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So you're with your porn. You're kind of a t-shirt on starfish kind of guy as well. I'm just a very respectful guy with my porn. I, I like the women to be respected. I like everyone to be having a good time. I don't like anything weird, you okay. know. Um, but th- that's something I can't. I feel like I should be getting credit for that. But there's no situation where I could brag about that. No, no. There's no. None. There's no benefit to enjoying. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, not. Yeah, it's a real. It's a real cross. To bear. It really levels the playing field for us depraved people. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, yeah, I don't want to get into what your 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 search histories are or whatever, but um all I'm saying is I'm proud of my search history on uh on pornography and if anyone wants to challenge me, I'll pull it up. All right. And pull it out. Okay. Bold. Respect. So now the tension is ratcheted up. Everyone realizes that 
there's going to be some trouble here. This guy is clearly deranged. They're all in some kind of danger, whether it's to their reputation or to themselves physically. Things yeah. are getting real right now. Minute He's... 38, the first, sorry. No, I was just saying things are taking a turn for the worse. Yes. So minute 38 is the fourth course, the mess. And it is a mess. Young Jeremy. Young Jer. Shout out, fellow Jer. Yep. Um, yep. He just gets dressed down in front of these people. <laughs> like, called mediocre. <laughs> like, is there anything worse to be called than mediocre? Like, especially when, and, and what's funny, and I think what, what really this encapsulates is like, he's given his life for this in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Like, his whole life is, uh, He's he's basically given everything to do this job. And then at that moment, he's told, nah, you're just mediocre. You still ain't got a kid. Yeah, it's a mess, dude. So he does kill himself, young Jeremy. Yeah. And then the food is served. Pressure cooked vegetables, roasted fillet, potato confit, beef juice, 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 Jus. bone marrow, jus. Jus, like me. And bone marrow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Jer. And the wine is Domaine. That's French. You can pronounce that. Go ahead. It's a Domaine Breton. That, what? Are you serious? I put, That's what I put no stank on that whatsoever. Domaine, oh, my God. Domaine Breton. Uh, oh, that's better. That's better. Is a... Uh, do, 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 what, what is... Loire Valley is the wine region. So Loire Valley is known for Pinot Noir. Uh, gently Pinot Noir, and as well as Cab- uh, no Sauvignon Blanc, uh, but they also do some other interesting grapes there too. This is a biodynamic wine, which is kind of seeing a a big uh, surge in popularity all over the world. Um, so it doesn't necessarily the French don't necessarily. A lot of these biodynamic kind of experimental wines are coming into their own. Um, also, natural wines are a big thing. Um, there's a difference between biodynamic and natural, which one day we can get into. Um, but basically, the French don't necessarily let this fall under the purview of of their kind of structure of wine, their AOCs. So while this is a Loire Valley wine, um, it is not... It may not, they, they, they don't have to just grow. So if you're Loire Valley, you pretty much have to just grow Sauvignon Blanc and, and Pinot Noir um, or Chardonnay maybe in some areas, depending on where you are. They can kind of do what they want and they, they grow as a Cabernet Franc. So if you, one of the most popular wines in the world, red is Cabernet Sauvignon. That's Sauvignon grapes as well as Cabernet Franc grapes. Uh, Cab Franc is a very kind of old grape. It's one of the original grapes, the OG French grapes. We do very good Cabernet Franc in Canada. Um, and so this is a big kind of earthy. They use uh, barnyard as a, as a descriptor, which is a very common descriptor for, for Pinot. And I don't know if I've ever heard Cab Franc describe barn, barnyard, but... There is a flavor you get or a smell you get from these wines that's kind of like old leathery barn smell, um, which I think would pair nice with all these smoked 
meets these meets that they're getting that Jeremy's mess is. Uh, yeah, that's that's the last wine they mentioned. So the last time I'll talk for twenty minutes about wine. Jeremy dies, but the wine was good. The so. wine was good, and some people are really taken aback by the fact that they just watched a guy shoot himself. Some people, like Tyler, are eating the food, and he, now I think we're starting to realize what he knows and what he doesn't. And then the food critics, like it's all theater. Don't worry. Like she's trying to deny what's happening and some people are just like i can't you you know that's like i'd lose my appetite if i saw that even if it was staged i'd still be pretty messed up i will say though if there was a restaurant who put on some kind of dinner where it's half murder mystery half culinary extravaganza i might be up for that i might be into it i think we could that could be a million dollar idea yeah so so ralph finds the chef is revealed himself to be completely unhinged oh yeah uh, he has basically put blackmail material in front of all his guests except for Margot the prostitute god bless her and now one of his sous chefs uh i'm not sure if he was a sous chef he was one of the line cooks maybe jeremy, jeremy. kills himself in front of everybody and the the plot is on the game yeah. is on the caper is on things are and he things... starts to reveal his frustrations with life specifically with this type of person he's had to deal with his entire life. So this does seem to be a little bit of the working class kind of revenge story against the upper class. Yeah. The people with the money, especially an artist of which he believes he is. And uh, yeah, he, he, he even tells like they're trying to figure out what's going on. And he tells them, think of yourselves as an ingredient, as ingredients in a digestation concept, a tasting concept. So he has now taken his role as chef and and expanded it outward into the entire theater of what's going on. So yeah, yeah, and and he and he, and he calls out cust- uh, the the people and sitting there of, of why he doesn't like them specifically the older couple who talks about can you even name one of the dishes I've ever made? We tell you what they are every time, and he and he quizzes the guy. He loses. He says cod. No, it was halibut. So this man has, been, has had some bad feelings pent up for a long time. Yeah, long time. And this shows that that old guy wasn't even listening. Wasn't even listening on the course prior, because no. he said, "I serve this every time." The chicken yeah. taco thing—that's my signature dish. I serve this every time. So it just—I don't know—I picked up on that, but it just shows that the old guy didn't even care about that. Um, and it kind of does go to show you that the people who can afford these types of meals usually aren't too appreciative or that they're not they're doing it because they can yeah as opposed to our guy tyler who's a scumbag by the way but he at least appreciates what he's experiencing even though he's a scumbag yeah he probably appreciates it almost too much he's the uh, he's the antithesis to this old guy in that he just you know he wants to feel a part of this because it's so amazing to him he wants to be seen as and i think that's kind of a an interesting commentary on foodie culture in general. I mean, I fanboy over. I don't fanboy over chefs, but I, I I fanboy over nice restaurants, and I try and go to nice restaurants, and I'll you know I'll save up to go to nice restaurants, and and this that and the other. You'll um, start a podcast about food. And I'll start a experience. podcast about food, and I'll overanalyze food. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I definitely fall into Tyler's camp. I don't think I go to that. 
level, but I, you know, I know what Tyler, I know what his, he's all about. Mm-hmm. Cause I get excited. Mm-hmm. I don't now if somebody is like, says some obscure method of cooking something, I'm like, Oh, okay. Does it taste good? Okay. Let's do that. Like, I don't, I don't really, you know, I, I haven't watched every episode of chef's table. I don't really like cooking shows. Uh, but I like except the, for cinnamon sandwiches on YouTube, which you love, love, love. I mean that that's that's more of a, a cooking experience. I prefer oh, the yeah. experience, right? Good save chair. <clears throat> so, so yeah, like I think there's there's levels of that. Tyler is on very one very dark end of the spectrum, whereas this old man is literally just he's eating. He's not tasting. Tyler's yeah. overly tasting and not eating. There's yeah. a happy medium there, which Margot kind of exists in that world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had something to say about Tyler, but I forgot it. So we're just going to move on. Okay. My bad. No, it's not your fault. Don't oh. don't blame yourself, Jer. I, I wouldn't live with myself if I, could, if I thought you had any guilt about me forgetting what I was going to say. Okay. The sixth course, Man's Folly. Dungeness crab. By the way, is there any more badass item on a menu than Dungeness crab? That do just you, sounds incredible. Do you like crab? Do you eat crab? I've eaten the soft shell, and I've eaten the I've eaten crab mostly soft shell with sushi style. Okay. And then I've eaten crab before, I believe, in like uh, crab ro- crab cakes. I've eaten crab cakes. Crab cakes. I'm, I'm pro crab. I'll eat crab. Yeah, I like crab. Yeah, like a big yeah. king, like a giant king crab leg from Alaska. That, that might be. I have not had that. I have not okay. had that. No, no. I, w- I would. I would though. I would. Though. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I like crab. I. I was actually talking about this with somebody else the other day. I like lobster and crab and stuff like that. Um, my favorite crab, the best crab that I lo- and it's not king crab, is Florida stone crab. Oh, tell us more. It's just the taste, the texture, the claws are are fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Dungeness crab's good. You know that's that's a, a great uh, dish as well. I also like imitation crab. I do too. I'm yeah. one of the few. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Fan. I don't. I don't mind. Yeah. I like yeah, it. I love it. I like it. So that's man's folly, and I believe this is where he's kind of ex- after this course is when they all have to scatter. Yeah. The man run them away. Down and kill them. Yeah. And the story behind this is. Is interesting because that other sous chef, the female sous chef, comes out and she basically says that Ralph Fiennes' character sexually harassed her. Yeah. And then, so this is him, you know, two meals ago when he exposed everyone else. This is him exposing himself uh, in, in a way to them because he's in it with them, right? And we get that from when he says to Margot, you know, you can either die with us, the servers, or die with them, the takers. Yeah, he, it's similar to, I guess, it's kind of similar to Seven and that everyone who dies is they're supposed to have committed a sin, some kind of, they've committed some kind of crime against humanity, which makes the chef, anyway, feel that they deserve to die, including right. himself. He is not, he's not without sin himself, right. so he deserves to die as well. Margot, the prostitute, who... I mean, through society, we think that she is the one who is her whole profession is sinful. Turns out to be the virtuous one. She's yeah. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's done nothing wrong. 
I like her. She's a cool chick. Um, so if that's what high class prostitutes are like, I'm into it. Yeah, I, I, she seems pretty down to earth. Yeah, but the the movies are famous for the hooker with a heart of gold trope, which yeah. I'm not really buying. I don't think that's true. I don't. I don't necessarily think she has a heart of gold because she's kind mm. of she's kind of like she's street play. smart for yeah, sure. Yeah, she's she's quick. She's no dummy. Um, yeah. But I don't think. Yeah, I don't know if she she's she's better than everyone in this group for sure. In yeah. a lot of ways, which I think is a in. In and of itself is a trope for this type of movie. Yeah, because someone has to survive. They have, like they are giving a commentary on who dies and who lives. So, yeah. yeah. So that was man's folly. The dungeon is crab. While they're all hiding in their hiding places, the one guy is hiding in the chicken coop, I believe. Yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> he served the passard egg, which looked incredible. Yeah, it was the egg with the creme fraiche and the maple, and the presentation was amazing. It looked thing. like it had some caviar on top or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what that was. I love a good hard-boiled egg. Um, yeah. Or soft-boiled egg. or Soft-boiled. However, soft however boiled you want to serve it. Yeah, soft-boiled is yeah. great. That's a great egg. Underrated yep. egg. Um, Most underrated egg, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but, yeah, he gets it as kind of a little prize. And it's funny. The men don't get to eat, but the, the women sit in and actually eat what looks like a very normal course that's served with a wine as well. Um, yeah. I, they they don't mention what it is, but uh, yeah, they seem to eat just a normal kind of course while they're waiting for the men, but they don't really get to finish it. I don't think. No, I don't think so. Um, and then Tyler, the the food nerd, Tyler, who brought Margot the prostitute, he gets called out, uh, and the the meal is called I can't say it, but it's called Tyler's BS. Yeah, he challenges Tyler to cook something. He cooks undercooked lamb, inedible shallot leek butter sauce with an utter lack of cohesion, gets dressed down mercilessly by his hero, the chef, ends up killing himself via hanging. Two suicides in one extravagant meal. Two more than I'd like to see in a meal like this, frankly. But Yeah, I'd say that's an unsustainable amount of suicides per meal. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because he whispers something to Tyler. And it's funny that, Jer- yeah, you know, Jeremy's suicide a few scenes before is a very open dressing down of Jeremy and how mediocre he is and how he's given his life for this passion and he's just never going to be very good at it. So mm-hmm. he offs himself. Now, yep. Tyler, he whispers something to him, which I think has to be along the lines of like, you're a complete and total fraud and I have no respect for you, which yeah. then causes him to go and hang himself in the other room because he's just so he also has the benefit of knowing he's going to die anyway. Yeah. I I would say it's a pretty of of suicides. I think that one's might be warranted. I mean, like it might be a good decision at that point. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I feel bad for anyone who's contemplating that, but I didn't feel bad for Tyler going through anything awful in this movie because he was just kind of, he treated uh, Margo terribly. Like yep. he, he he said awful like from the get go he just criticized her treated her horribly because she yeah. he said he saw her as less so like I don't know he he personally, he kind of deserved it he kind of yeah, deserved it he bugged yeah. me whereas if I flip over to John Leguizamo 
Like Johnny I, Legs. He didn't seem like a terrible dude. He was just a bad actor. Yeah, I, I like John Leguizamo in this. He just seemed like a good dude, you know? Yeah, he just kind of, he wasn't, he didn't have much of a pivotal role, but he, you no. know, he was there and he was interesting. But him and his his friend there, I don't know if they were stupping or what, um, but. Probably. I don't think he'd be hanging around with her if he, they weren't. They, yeah, they never really were on the same page the whole movie. Like they, there were things that they wouldn't tell each other and they had weird chemistry. Oh. Did you see when the chef asked her where she went to school and she said Brown and he asked her, do you have student loans? And she said, no. He says, oh, you're dying. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. every 25 year old in the theater, if they had saw that was like, hell yeah, you're dying. Like, Screw you, man. She's, he, she's the like Nepo baby of the crew. Yeah. Or yeah. Whatever. You don't have student loans. You got to die, man. You're not one of us. Um, the there was the, at 121, there was the weird birthday cake with the claw like candle set up. Yeah, um, it was it was the guy's birthday, and for a second there, he was almost like, "Oh, thanks." I know he, was, <laughs> yeah. he, he kind of felt good about it a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is my birthday, thanks, man. <laughs> Which is awful. <laughs> it's your birthday on but, the worst day ever. But I, I was thinking about this, and Ralph Fiennes, the chef, was talking about how he feels so bad, and he calls himself "I'm a whore" to these rich people. Yeah, and it's kind of like Secundo in. Uh, big night where he refuses to be a whore. Like he talks about that. What's going on in that restaurant is the rape of cuisine. And he's that, screaming about if I, if hmm? is it Primo or Secundo? I forget which Secundo. Se, oh, sorry. Pr- Primo. Primo's Primo is the Primo. cook. Secundo's yeah. Primo's the, the yeah cook. Okay. Yeah. So he's screaming about the rape of cuisine. He's, he's, he's yelling at Secundo. He's saying, if I, if I change my dishes, I, die i die everything goes you know what i mean so it's like i kind of felt the spiritual connection between these two chefs yeah uh, primo refused to change himself for commerce this guy did it and you can see the consequences on his psychology he really broke down and he's created this whole mess here and we actually get when uh margo escapes the area Mm -hmm. briefly before not when she's not in the end but when she go, escapes and finds the where he lives, where Ralph Fine yeah. lives, and his secret little room in the radio, um, we learn a little bit more about his career and why he is the way he is. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in which that then at the beginning of his career, he was just a burger chef. Speaking of burgers, supplemental course, a cheeseburger, which Margot expertly because she knows human psychology yeah. from what we can tell. And she decides, okay, I think this guy's crazy, but he has rules about himself and about what he will and will not do. Yeah. Orders a cheeseburger to go as a challenge to him to make just a good cheeseburger. None of this weird stuff, this invisible bread. Just make me a good cheeseburger. Can yeah. you do that? That's your challenge. She she calls him out. like She basically says to him, I don't care about any of this crap you're cooking now. It doesn't do it for me. I don't think it's very good. And I'm, to be quite honest, I'm still starving. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because, and it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, when at a baseline level, food is meant to sustain, right? It's 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 sustenance. It, it keeps you alive. So it doesn't necessarily need to be all this crap. It can be a cheeseburger, but if you if you're a good cook, 
your cheeseburger should be as transformational, transcendental, whatever word you want, um, as your scallop on a rock with flowers or whatever you're making, right? So oh, yeah. she challenges him and says, you know, can you can you do that for me? And then he's like, do you want crinkle cut fries with that? <laughs> Which I think is great. Just, like, they're just the dark comedy elements here were very good. Yeah, and I must say, the 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 shots of the cheeseburger plated looked it was the best oh, food porn of the movie as far as yeah, I'm concerned. It, looked, it was incredible. It looked really good. Double patty, American cheese. And he's like, as you know, American cheese is the the best kind of cheese to use for a burger because it melts properly. I agree. And a grilled cheese sandwich. I only use single slices and, for that. Oh yeah. And the fries on the side too. Crinkle Whoa. cut fries. That's a oh. classic burger. High fat content. Uh, beef, you know, maybe some brisket, bacon, whatever thrown in there. Who knows? Yep. Uh, great, great looking burger. Um, one thing we've kind of not mentioned is that, well, we mentioned it, but I just want to go back for a second and say that the the emulsion that was broken that that lady called out, every few courses, they keep bringing her a bigger pot full of broken emulsion until yeah. I think around before the cheeseburger or, or before one of the last course, she's actually given a vat of emulsion. Do you think that is his way of expressing that she broke him? Basically. Yeah, I think that, so. Uh, that's the reason he went off the deep end. I think so. I think that I, yeah. I, I definitely, I think that's his, that's kind of a metaphor for their relationship. Damn. Anyway, Margot takes the cheeseburger to go, which somehow triggers something in this guy's rule book in his head where he thinks that's okay. She He lets her go, which, thank God, because she deserves to go. Yeah. Everyone else dies spectacularly as human s'mores, s'mores. in this giant fire. <laughs> which was like kind of where my, my other brain, who was like, I want to hate this movie brain, was like, yeah. what, the, what the hell? <laughs> like, what, you, what is this? When they brought you think it was them, a bit much? No, it was perfect but okay. when they brought out the mushroom like when i thought they were going to be like wigs um yeah. like like canadian judicial wigs or whatever uh when they brought the mushroom like shoulder pads and then the the chocolate hat and everyone's <laughs> just kind of sitting with a bewildered look on their face like what the heck is and they're spreading graham cracker on the floor like yeah it, it really it reminded me a lot of midsummer that uh, Ari Aster movie about the cult in Sweden. Yeah. By the way, this is this is not just a murder mystery style um, f- movie, food movie, but it's also a cult. It's an occult horror, which yeah. is going on right now too. There's a lot of cult stuff popping up in horror movies these days. So. When when we go to the beginning, if we rewind all the way to the beginning, and the uh, what's the lady the. Elsa, the witch. Elsa, yeah. She's showing them the barracks where they all live. Yeah, they're it's in like, a cult. We, that, it's a cult. We live here. We devote our lives to this. And like even the like, yes, chef. Like that. It, yeah. it, it's it's almost like, and and I think, you know, they're, they're making a statement about this type of cuisine. The movie is making a statement about the love of this type of cuisine, about people like Tyler about the people who are on the inside, the chefs, the sous chefs, the people that devote their lives to this. It is kind of cult-like. Like you follow this one messiah, this yeah. one 
brilliant chef, this, you know, Gordon Ramsay type person. Take a lot of crap from him, which you would not take in other jobs. Yeah, because you believe so firmly that they this is the key to your success, the key to your transcendence mm-hmm. in in the culinary world. Uh, that I think that's just a great statement they're making about this fine dining, this haute cuisine world, which, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't dawn on me until you said cult. Mm. Yeah, th- th- there's like a new, tr- th- there's a trend popping up in, because I've heard, I've read somewhere that horror movies kind of reflect the fears that are in the subcon- collective subconscious of society at that time. Right. So in the 80s, there's all those movies where the kids who had sex died and the ones yeah. who didn't stayed alive. That was a direct reflection of the paranoia from the AIDS crisis. Yeah. You know? And then as things move forward, there's a lot of horror movies that have uh, technology involved, rep- reflecting our fear of technology kind of thing. And then yeah. now a lot of cult stuff coming up. Ghost in the Machine. You remember that one where there was like a computer <sighs> yeah. virus that was a ghost? Oh, she was a hot was it? android, oh. though. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is cult-like. And I think that comes from, if I'm going to think about society is, you know, you look at the U S and Canada and a lot of other countries in the world, there's all these groups now. Oh yeah. The Republicans, the the, the Democrats. The internet has created new cults. Yeah. And it's almost cult-like, you know, like the, the MAGA Republicans and the, and the, 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 the far left and the. QAnon is a literal cult. QAnon, the, the proud boys. Proud the, Boys the cult. You know, the, Vegans are a cult now. For yeah. God's sakes. Everything has some sort CrossFit's of CrossFit's a cult. Cult like thing. Um yeah. foodies, why not? Liver King, he started a cult. Yeah. Um, they, there's a whole like people who listen to Joe Rogan. Rogan's got a cult. People who listen to the Food and Movies podcast. Well, a, well if you look at cult social media. <laughs> don't kill yourselves out there. We want you to live. Um but if you look at social media influencers, what are, what what are their people called? They're called followers. Followers, right? You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. A, lot, a lot of cults out there. Beyonce has got a cult. It's called the Beehive. If you say yeah. anything bad about Beyonce on social media, they will swarm on your ass. So yeah, there are the, you know. Are you in a cult? I don't think I'm in a cult yet. I'd like to be. Am I in a cult? No, I don't think so. I don't think I. Do. I just. It seems like a lot of work. I all someone tried to recruit me into a self help cult ten years ago. Nice. Um, it was a kind of like similar to Tony Robbins, but more organized. I forget what it was called. A pyramid, uh, a pyramid scheme, probably. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't an MLM cult. It was a self help cult. You had to pay for. It was like Scientology. Yeah, you had to pay okay. for classes and stuff. Yeah. 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 A bit of a pyramid. Yeah, I didn't go, but they all seem so happy though, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Like, I I don't disagree with the cult mentality. It's like you know, religion can be. You could say religion is a cult. They were the first cults. Yeah, yeah. You know, you believe in something so fiercely that you're willing to, you know, ignore. You're willing Fat. to die for it, these it, people are. Yeah, you know, you're willing to drink the Kool-Aid. That's where that term comes from, right? The drink the Kool-Aid was, what, Jonestown or I forget. Jonestown, yeah. 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 So uh, these cults, you know, people believe in something. So, And you're right, the internet is generating this. So this is a bit of a commentary on 
society. I guess so. Yeah. Heavy, man. Heavy. How messed up is that? Like, in the, the drink the Kool Aid is actually a term in corporate culture. Yeah. That's positive. It's supposed to be a positive thing. We need to get people to drink the Kool Aid. Do you know what that means, people? It means you die. You yeah. die. I I don't I don't necessarily I think people use that wrong. Of course they do. They, like, they knew what it meant. I they think you're right. I think they use it wrong because when I use it, yeah. I worked for an agency that will remain nameless uh, right. because what I'm about to say isn't the nicest thing. But um, everyone who worked there kind of, we all were like, oh, you drink it. Or we would say it to each other. Like after a while, if you, once you stopped drinking the Kool-Aid, you'd see new people come in. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're right on that Kool-Aid. They're drinking yeah. that hard because it was the agency had these little perks that they would just give you to kind of, and it, 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 they stole their culture from tech, this agency. Oh, co- tech has got some startup cults for sure. Yeah. yeah. So they have this, that startup mentality, which advertising stole from tech. And this mm-hmm. was one of the first agencies I'd ever encountered that did it. Cause I mean, let's be, real anderson was not stealing much from tech um but and that i find actually mean that as a positive thing okay but um this other agency i'm sure you know what i'm talking about yeah uh, they they steal from tech and um people drank the kool-aid and used the term correctly there but i do think you're right like we want to get people drinking the kool-aid that's a messed up thing to say about. <laughs> it's messed up, man. I worked at a bank once, and uh, in in the head office in the marketing department. And when you and you're part of your employee package, where they give you a little pin with the bank logo that you can wear on your lapel, and you could tell who's drinking the Kool Aid by the people who actually wore the, pin, the pin and yeah. the ones who didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lapel um, pins are a great way to show you drink the Kool Aid. Oh, yeah. Or you're just a sociopath. You want people to think that you drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. There was a couple of those walking around, too. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's that's where I fall in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, man. That was all the food in the menu. God damn it. Let's do some food awards, Jer. Let's go, baby. What a a culinary experience. Even watching it was a culinary experience. It was a roller coaster. Man. Food was the food was beautiful. I mean, it was immaculate. It, I liked how it was kind of so over the top. It was almost a parody of these restaurants, but it was mm-hmm. also, but they kept true to it. Like they didn't, you know what I mean? Like they they didn't make it comical. They didn't lampoon it, but no. um, they did keep tr- like true. But it was almost like he's serving the scallop on a rock or the thing on a phone cord. And he would come in with that disturbing story. It was just, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I came away from it, like, just feeling like this was kind of, I wouldn't say it's a refreshing movie because we've named three or four movies like it. But I I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. I thought it was highly entertaining. So Food Awards, uh, what, what are the Food Awards? Best use of food. I think it has to be, well, use of food. Has got to be the tortillas with the blackmail material on them. <laughs> Best, my personal favorite though is the burger. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah, I think as a, as a story device, I think the best use of food. You're right, is the burger. Um, 
although I do, if I'm going to be different from you, I would give the award to uh, Jeremy's Mess. Not because of my name, but because that is the, when Jeremy puts that gun in his mouth, that is the exact moment when everyone realizes this is, this is high stakes. No pun pun intended. Jeremy's Mess. That was a good one. Uh, Who would you most like to have dinner with in this movie? I feel like I'm going to take yours. Probably. You usually do. So I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say one person who I would really like to have dinner with. I would like to have dinner with. Is it Elsa? The waitress. Yeah. I'd like to have dinner with her. I'd like to get in her mind. See why she is the way she is. What makes her tick. Um, because she's, she's fun. She's, she's serious to the point of being very, very funny. Yes. And also you kind of know she can kill somebody. Yeah. She's dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous, which I, I, I think you're into a little bit. I'm going to say. Right. So now it's a new theme. It's no longer father figures. It's dangerous women. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. I'm noticing different themes in, in your in your personality as far okay. as uh, people you're attracted to for different reasons. So, okay. Um, All right. Listen, I'm no psychoanalyst here. I could be dead wrong. Um, All right. I'm feeling psychoanalyzed. Oh, well, I don't want you to feel attacked. That's that's what. Oh, I'm no, not attacked. Just psychoanalyzed. Oh, well, I'll just keep doing it, though, because it kind of, <laughs> you know, I like making you feel uncomfortable. Um, good, good. I, for me, I would, here's the thing. It's real hard to choose between Leguizamo and Margo. Okay. Because they're both going to have incredible stories. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think I would enjoy hanging out with Margo more. That is who I Cuz she's got she's got that street toughness which I like. 100% who I thought you would pick. Yeah. Also yeah. Fo- also following a bit of a theme with you. Mhm. Uh yeah, Leg interesting though. Why? I didn't find Just the it- stories. Like he's been in the entertainment business forever. He must have so many stories. Yeah, I just found he was the only character that wasn't, and not because of his performance. I think he's a great actor, great performance. I just think yeah. the character, even his girlfriend or wife or whoever that was, had a little more depth. He mm-hmm. was very like, and he died because he just made one bad movie. Yeah, it's it a stretch with Johnny Legs. They it should just, have let him live. Yeah, it just seemed like, and he didn't seem like a bad dude. No, he seemed like, he seemed a, good like dude. a nice enough guy. He was a bit yeah. of a liar. They all are in Hollywood. What are we yeah. talking about? But, but that's I what mean, you do professionally over there. If if he okay, if he had one cardinal sin that made him deserve to die, like if we're going the seven route, mm-hmm. and every, everyone in the room had committed some sort of sin, his was you know lying, deceit. All right, so, so soft soft crimes for Johnny Legs. I don't approve. Yeah. I think he should live. But um, yeah. final thoughts. Final thoughts. Great film. Uh, I wanted to hate it. I did. I truly tried to. I couldn't. Uh, It's just well shot, well acted, interesting direction. Uh, You know, I I like Ralph Fiennes. I don't think that guy's ever really made a dud. Um, And I just thought it was an interesting story. And and to, to your point, very current with the times. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much said all I have to say. Um, but one thing I will say is that I, I, I really enjoy 
food movies and I hope we get more in different genres and just, I might have to write one and make it, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm very pro food movie, and I continue to be, and I continue to support uh, culinary filmmaking. Um, yeah, I think this I think is a good thing. I think this is the first. Uh, Hannibal had some food, but I don't. I wouldn't say. Sorry, Silence of the Lambs or any Hannibal films. I wouldn't say those are necessarily food movies. Those are more cannibal movies. Um, yeah. But this is the first of its kind in that it's a food horror. Yeah. Dark comedy. Um, yes. So interesting. And so what do you rate this? Well, let's let's do our ratings. What do you rate this as a movie? What do you rate this as a food movie? As a movie, I have to go with um, three out of five, three out of five scissors to the thigh, the chicken thigh. Yeah. As a food movie, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. It's got to be five out of five. Uh, juicy hamburgers, cheeseburgers. Juicy cheeseburgers. Okay. Yeah. And um, also, okay. So for me, as a movie, movie, I'm gonna go four out of five suicidal sous chefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as a food movie, I'm also gonna go five out of five uh, alcoholic mothers. <laughs> Who's a, All right. who's a, who is a character we totally glossed over, but one of my favorite yeah, characters did. in yeah, the whole did. movie, <laughs> his mother uh, sitting there just drinking. There were so many characters that were good that we could, yeah, we're we already can, two hours in. We so can spend like, a lot of time on both, so we won't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a Food Movies f- podcast for The Menu, and uh, we will see you all later. All right. I'll feed us in. Good job, Jer. Well played, sir. Love it. Love it.